You're listening to Pros Like Us, brought to you by NFL Draft Blitz. And now, without any further ado, here's Alex and Lou. That's right, gang. We are back and better than last week, we hope. We're in the middle of the, I guess, the off-season, but it sounds more like the calm before the storm. June 1st is looming. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Aaron Rodgers. I know you're probably all sick of it, but you know, there's a few different takes that, that we have that I think uh, our fans will be interested in, as well as Julio Jones. We'll talk about some uh, teams and nearly... Uh, what does it work out to 40% of the league has not won a Super Bowl. So there's like 12 teams out there. And we'll talk about who might have a good chance this year. And then at the end for our NFT or non-football topic, we'll talk a, a little bit about Phil Mickelson and the over 50 crowd. Also link it to Tom Brady. Why not? Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl in his 40s. Let's bring in our co-host, Alex Kavtoff. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lou. It seems like Aaron Rodgers is stirring the pot. He's in Hawaii, obviously enjoying a nice vacation with his new girlfriend, maybe soon to be his his wife. Who knows what happens there? But it seems like you know Aaron Rodgers is not being shy by giving out interviews. Well, I don't know about shy. I know he's he's has a I guess a relationship with Kenny Maine, and uh, that's what you're referring to here is that you know Kenny's contract was not renewed, or they agreed to separate. So there might have been some parallels there. But on Kenny's final show, I mean, I'm sure everybody has seen it by now or seen clips and so forth that Aaron Rodgers came on basically to see his friend off, and through all his uh, machinations and just trying to keep it about Kenny. <laughs> Kenny kept hammering, and finally Aaron came clean, I guess, a little bit in talking about just his beautiful mystery, about it's all about the people, about character and and the culture and you know and just really maybe how the, the people that helped build it are being forgotten about. Came out and said he really wasn't too concerned about uh, the uh, the draft pick of Jordan Love, which you know that I may have to call BS on that one. But he said he likes Jordan, likes playing with him, you know, working with him, the whole thing. Teammates, loves him, coaches, loves him, fans, loves him, can't see leaving. But I think when you look at it, and, and this isn't new, it just looks like, the, I mean, the Packers kind of do business a certain way. They kind of set this in motion last year when they traded up to take Jordan Love. And as Aaron mentioned in the interview, the wrench was... When A-Rod had an MVP season, and I'm thinking maybe the Packers thought that his game was starting to slide. We need the next guy. I mean, they go from Favre to Rodgers, and maybe they're thinking Love is the next guy. He may not be ready, but here now it appears that Aaron's kind of recalibrated himself. Now is the MVP of the league, and this whole thing is going on. So it's just interesting to kind of see this play out. And uh, I mentioned before before we started recording that, oh, by the way, OTA started, Aaron wasn't there, and Jordan Love is throwing to practice squad guys because none of his top five wide receivers showed up. Do you think that's a coincidence, Alex? I don't think it's a coincidence by any means, but I do think that this marriage, it sounds like it can't be repaired. 
just because his beef is with the front office, like you mentioned. He loves his teammates. He loves his new coaches. He kind of rediscovered himself last year by possibly having that chip on his shoulder once again because Aaron Rodgers slid in the draft, and his whole career has been built around playing with the chip on his shoulder. And then, you know, he accomplished a lot of things, won the Super Bowl, won an MVP award. Obviously, he felt like he had nothing else to accomplish. All of a sudden, the Packers trade up and draft Jordan Love, his so-called replacement, and it looked like it inspired Aaron to to get in there and just work his tail off in order to show the entire world, not only the Packers organization, that he could still play at a high level because Aaron Rodgers' play was slipping the past couple of years. I also felt that. A lot of analysts felt that based on his play. This might have been the best thing that could have happened to him. Jordan Love is in a no-win situation here, and it sounds like Aaron Rodgers is ready for the divorce. He's ready to call it quits if the Packers don't trade him. And they're not going to trade him, especially after the season that he had. This is not going to end well in in all regards. We're not going to see Aaron Rodgers in a Packers uniform again. It just seems like he's been orchestrating this, you know, through the offseason. But it just he's really relishing all of this. The adulation, the attention. You look at, you know, Brady and what he's done. And it's almost as if, you know, hey, I want I want what Tom wants. And there's a lot of parallels here, right? Both, I think, seemed like they wanted to play for the San Francisco 49ers. Joe Montana was their god. They both have huge chips on their shoulders for whatever reason. You can look at A-Rod. I mean, he, he was supposed to go first. He ends up 24th in the draft. You know, coming out of high school, no real offers, has to go to junior college before Tedford notices him and gives him a shot at Cal. Brady goes to Michigan, and I don't know if the job was ever really his or he ever won it straight out. Brian Greasy, Drew Henson, you know, whoever else they kept throwing at him. They've got wives or girlfriends that are stars, right, in in their own right. And then Tom goes to Tampa, and it just seems like he's living the perfect life in a very nice environment, can get the players that he wants. And again, this is all perception. I mean, we think... This is a game. He brings his buddy Gronk down with him. I want Antonio Brown. I want this guy. I want the, you know, just just do what we got to do to make me comfortable and we'll go win. I guess there are some parallels there. And it's almost like the like the little bit of a younger brother trying to get what the older brother has and wants to surpass him. Now, he never will because of all the Super Bowl rings. Tom didn't go to this length in orchestrating things. But he did do that documentary. I think he kind of had his wife slip some things in there about wanting some respect when he was still in New England. So Tom's a little more subtle about it. Aaron, I think, is you know kind of... A little bit more in your face so I don't know where the, how this plays out or where it goes but it's certainly great theater and gives us something to talk about you know what I noticed is that Aaron Rodgers has been more forthcoming giving out these interviews going on shows because early on in his career he was into himself he wasn't a talkative person kind of was in his own inner world You had Brett Favre, who was so colorful and did a ton of interviews. Aaron Rodgers never did that. All of a sudden, the last couple of years, I noticed that Aaron Rodgers is just more, much more comfortable in his own skin. 
He's going on like Pat McAfee's show and doing those weekly updates. He never did that before. You know, obviously he did the guest hosting Jeopardy. Now he's giving out, you know, this interview to Kenny Main. So he's been a lot more friendlier, I guess, to the media in general. And I just think that, you know, Aaron Rodgers has changed. When you get older, you get wiser. You know, you gain a lot more experiences. And to me, it just seems like Aaron Rodgers is just a lot more comfortable in his own skin off the football field. Well, again, you've got June 1st coming up when these salary cap numbers are a little bit eased if you trade a player. And it looks like one player has already decided that uh, he's ready to move. And I'm sure there's others that have, but it's come out now, whether it was by accident or was on purpose on accident, whatever. But Shannon Sharp gets Julio Jones on his phone and on the air during their show with with uh, Skip Bayless, Undisputed, basically says, I'm out of here. So here we go. I mean, I don't think there was any secret here. I think Atlanta's probably been trying to move him since uh, before the draft. But again, from salary cap purposes, uh, the cap hit was going to be much greater. You know, they may want a first round pick, but more than likely it'll be a second round pick. But it'll probably also be the money that, you know, they'll probably have to pay a portion of his contract, I'm thinking. Now, the cap hit for the, the team that takes him on isn't going to be that great. I think 15, 11, and 11 over the next three years. But he is 32 years old. The team that trades for him, you got to believe, is ready to win right now, has a short window. That's a small list. Is this going to happen? I mean, do, do you have some favorites as to where he might end up? You know, why not San Francisco? Like the, the San Francisco 49ers, they're getting a lot of pieces back. Doesn't matter who their quarterback is going to be, Jimmy G or Trey Lance. They need some more weapons. They've got Debo. They've got Brandon Ayuk. Why not get another guy on the outside? You know, give some help to those wide receivers and make George Kittle's life a lot more easier. I think San Francisco in the NFC would be the right choice. I've heard a lot of rumblings that it might be Arizona that the Cardinals are looking at him. And I understand the infatuation there. I mean, Cliff Kingsbury gets another star wide receiver. He already has a few in Arizona. So I guess that landing spot makes sense with Kyler Murray and you know the offensive juggernaut that Arizona is. I also think the Colts, in my opinion, the Indianapolis Colts make a lot of sense. They're vying for the playoffs. They might be the favorites in that division. With Carson Wentz coming over, you need a number one wide receiver. T.Y. Hilton isn't that guy anymore. So bring in Julio, have T.Y. as a number two, and then you will have Michael Pittman as a number three. That makes your wide receiver core a lot more lethal. And another team, why not the Los Angeles Chargers? You have Justin Herbert. Why not bring in another weapon? You've got Keenan Allen. You've got Mike Williams. Why not Julio Jones? So to me, Chargers, Colts, 49ers, and I guess Arizona, just because a lot of people have been talking about them. Yeah, I'm not feeling the Arizona at all. I, I mean, just looking at the way they're constructed from Julio's perspective, not saying that he's going to have a big say in where he goes, but I'd imagine they, they're going to want to try to facilitate something for him much the way Detroit did my list I had Indi- I had Indianapolis San Francisco the Chargers and then you know you look at teams that are on the that you feel are on the cusp 
would Baltimore, even though they drafted Rashad Bateman, I don't know that you know he's going to immediately be their number one receiver. He, I hope he is, but they still aren't settled at the wide receiver position. This is where it would get interesting, and I would imagine it's going to come up, but the Green Bay Packers, right? I mean, if they're trying to make, I guess, nice with Aaron Rodgers, one, they're probably going to have to do something with his contract with some guaranteed money over the next probably three years for sure, even though I think the Packers in their heart of hearts would like to have him on a year-by-year basis. In order to kind of appease him, then you bring in Julio Jones, so now you got Julio and Devontae, so now things are going to get a little bit exciting in Green Bay. I mean, a lot more exciting as far as, you know, getting your star quarterback to say, okay, I see what you're doing here. Again, I have to play Homer here, but Brett Veach is involved, seems like, in every, whatever he can do to, to, to upgrade that team, whatever they need to do salary cap-wise, somehow they get it done. So Tyree Kill is kind of their top wide receiver, but still, I think their number one guy is Travis Kelsey. They really don't have somebody on the other side of Tyree Kill that really scares you or makes you slant your defense their way. For a second round pick, now again, that these will be lower second round picks, which you're talking about Baltimore, Green Bay, or Kansas City. These are the teams that are ready to win now. I think still, I mean, the best place for Julio, I think, would be San Francisco because he's immediately their number one target. He's going to get a ton of balls. I don't care how good those younger guys are. None of them is a number one receiver right now. So uh, I think maybe San Francisco would be the best, although the Chargers could use him as well. No question there. I don't know if he feels like they're ready to, to win in the next two years. Remember this, Kyle Shanahan has a history with Julio Jones because he was the offensive coordinator in in Atlanta for a couple of years Mm -hmm. before he took that San Francisco 49ers head coaching job. So they're familiar with each other. Kyle Shanahan came in, you know, obviously Matt Ryan had an MVP type of season. They went to the Super Bowl and Julio Jones was also a huge part of that team. This was before they had Calvin Ridley. I mean, Julio Jones was their offense. Uh, in the passing attack there. So there's a lot of familiarity there. I I think he would be open to the idea of playing for his former offensive coordinator in in San Francisco. All right. So I I think we're pretty well on the same page that Julio is going to move. It's just a matter of who and when. And like I said, June 1st, June 2nd, whatever that magic date is, that's when uh, the salary cap ease comes. And, you know, who knows? Maybe Zach Ertz is another guy that you may see move. It just hasn't been mentioned a whole lot lately. But uh, I think that might be another one that you see on the move. Next, let's take a look at the, the, the league itself. And like I said, nearly 40% of the teams have not won a Super Bowl. Now, many of them have gotten there. But again, 12 teams that have zero Super Bowl wins. So we'll talk about, I guess, the teams that are ready. And they're, they're fairly obvious. But just a, a quick uh, recap here from a historical standpoint. Top of the list, Buffalo. They had four straight losses in the Super Bowl. Well-documented Jim Kelly, that whole K-Gun crew. I mean, just an incredible feat that they got there four years in a row. 
Uh, the Oilers slash Titans loss of the Rams, Super Bowl 34. More recently, they lost in the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. Jacksonville, one of the you know latest expansion teams, actually has been in three AFC Championship games in 97, 2000, and 2018. Two of those losses to New England and one to Tennessee. The Texans have never been out of the divisional round. They're four and six all time in the playoffs, and that... This was the EPL, English Premier League. I think the Texans would have been relegated. Don't you agree, Alex? Absolutely. And I think (laughs) they should be relegated this season because even if Deshaun Watson plays for them, I mean, that team is going to have the number one overall pick. Yeah. Next, another team that I guess will be in the discussion is going to be the Browns. They've never been to the Super Bowl. Several AFC Championship losses, all three to Denver. Really painful ways in 87, 88, and 90. Bengals, of course, uh, have lost two Super Bowls, both to San Francisco. Super Bowl 16 and 23. The Chargers organization lost to San Francisco. Got blown out by the Niners. I mean, that, that was just a juggernaut of a team with Steve Young. Uh, Super Bowl uh, 29, I believe it was. Uh, Minnesota has lost four Super Bowls. Now, it's been a long time with these uh, losing Super Bowl 4 to the Chiefs, Super Bowl 9 to Pittsburgh, uh, 11 to Oakland, 8 to Miami. So they've not a whole lot of luck in the, in the Super Bowls. Detroit, again, they should be, probably be relegated as well. Uh, they have played in one NFC Championship game. They've got NFL championships. They've just never been to a Super Bowl. But the one year, 92 with Barry Sanders, they got crushed by the Skins, 41 to 10. Uh, sorry, the Washington football team at that time. They were the Redskins. Carolina has lost two Super Bowls. New England, of course, and Denver. Uh, New England game was close. Denver game, eh, depending on who you talk to and watching the game, it it really wasn't. Uh, Denver defense really took them apart. Atlanta, again, lost famously recently in Super Bowl 51, being up 28-3 against New England. And then Arizona, uh, they lost the heartbreaker to the Steelers with the Santonio Holmes catch or fingertip or fingernail catch with his toenails tapping the inbound just a, an amazing play by ben and uh, santonio there but th- those are the teams some obviously have been there multiple times not so not so good but uh i think i, I know where you're going here alex uh who, who do you think is has the best chance of these teams First of all, I want to say thank you for that historical lesson. Well, you know, being at my age, I probably saw many of these games. Now, a few of them I didn't. You know, that Super Bowl four, not so much. But uh, but a lot of the a lot of these games, I actually did uh, witness on TV. I always felt bad for Buffalo, especially in those couple of Super Bowls where they lost to the Dallas Cowboys, and they always felt like that was an exciting team with Reed and Thomas and Kelly. I mean, that was just, it was an offensive juggernaut before there was offensive explosion in the NFL. So I have to go with Buffalo. That's the top choice. It has to be, especially with Josh Allen coming off an MVP type of season. He really took a huge step forward this year. You know their defense is good. They've got a pretty good offensive line. They've got some weapons on the outside at wide receiver, especially especially with Stephon Diggs coming over last year. That made a huge difference for Josh Allen. 
I think that team is really close. They're on the cusp, and Sean McDermott in that front office has has done a good job just building it. And then I have to go with the Cleveland Browns, Lou. I mean, the Cleveland Browns are close, and you mentioned this. They've never been in the Super Bowl before. They've been in the AFC Championship game, I think, a couple of times, and it didn't end well for them, but... I got to go with them. And Baker Mayfield can't screw it up, Lou, because he's just got too many weapons. That defense is loaded. He's got the wide receivers. He's got the running attack. He has to take care of the football and be a a good facilitator. Not even Baker can screw this up. So we got to go with Cleveland here. This is, it's exciting to be a Browns fan nowadays. Yeah, I mean, the, the two teams, and those are the ones that I highlighted as well. Uh, so we won't get too deep in the in the weeds there, but we both teams keep adding adding more and more weapons, uh, whether it be on the offensive side of the ball, or defensive side of the ball. I would give Buffalo the edge just because of Josh Allen and the coaching staff having been there a little bit longer than this Cleveland coaching staff. Overall, it's a better team. Now, Cleveland has a ton of talent. Absolutely, they would be the second choice. Let's see Baker after a year maybe of a little bit more success. Does he make the next step in his maturation and becoming the leader of that team? Let's see where, where that plays out. They're really, I mean, I'm looking at these other teams, and I, you really can't make a, a case for any of them. I guess the Chargers, maybe, but a lot of things would have to fall into place for them to even sniff making a run in the playoffs. But really, these other teams, I mean, they're, they've they never won one, and I don't know that, that there, any of them are really close. I think the Tennessee Titans. I mean, we have to give them a little bit of a now break. I understand that Arthur Smith has moved on to Atlanta, but if you look at that team, Tannehill has rediscovered himself. They still have Derrick Henry. Probably another year or two, he could still take that load and and carry that team. I think that defense is going to be better this year just because of of Rabel is kind of giving his responsibilities as the defensive coordinator and they just they have to be better because they weren't very good last year. They were in the playoffs. I think the Tennessee Titans are a team that has a a short window, but if they improve on defense, which I think they will, I think that's another team that's that's closer than you think. I just think Tannehill maybe has reached kind of his peak. He may continue at this level for a while, but I don't know that he has any more, much more room to grow to where the point that he will overtake, you know, Mahomes or Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. I like the team that they've kind of. I think again. I just think Tannehill has has hit his peak. They've lo- he's lost a couple of weapons. Yeah, they've added some more people in, and and maybe Derrick Henry can continue to you know to carry the load. Maybe they reinvent themselves offensively a little bit. Maybe, but I'm just not sold. I I just don't see Tannehill growing that much more, and that's really what they need. I've already mentioned this on, on the show a couple of weeks. Um, I'm really high on the Arizona Cardinals and the Carolina Panthers. And and the reason why I'm high there is because I think the Arizona Cardinals will peak this year. And I think the Carolina Panthers, I'm excited for what they've built there uh, with their coaching staff, with Matt Rule, just in general. I think they're building something special. I'm not saying these teams are close. And according to me, I think they'll make the playoffs. But that's still a stretch. And obviously, they're still further away from making the Super Bowl. But I am excited for the future. 
just because they're built a little bit differently. Cliff Kingsbury is all about offense, but they've addressed the defensive side of the ball, well, the front office has, and the Carolina Panthers are building something. They're hitting on people in the draft the past couple of years. They brought in Sam Darnold, and that's going to be a big question mark there, whether he can rediscover himself and and be the quarterback that they hope he can be. But I think those teams are closer than we think to making the playoffs, and I just think the future is bright. But I look at the Minnesota Vikings, and I think this is a team that's that's definitely going to take a step back. I think their time is over. That defense is has aged, not known for their defense anymore. They don't have that defensive line. They don't have those Mike Zimmer's defensive backs like they've had in, in previous years. Kirk Cousins is who he is. He's a pretty good quarterback, but he's not a guy that's going to take you to the playoffs. So I think the Minnesota Vikings, just in general, are a team that that's going to take a huge step back this year. Yeah, they're just spinning their wheels. Kind of, you know, rolled the dice with with Cousins on two contracts. Now, I mean, you got to applaud the guy. The guy's made so much money for being an just above average quarterback. I don't know that anybody in the league would look at him and say, "Okay, this is an elite guy we can win a Super Bowl with." So that hamstrings you a little bit, you know, cap-wise. You see the losses on their defense. So Again, I mean, you hate to say they're they're going to be in rebuild mode again, but it seems like that's the way that they're going. And I'm excited about the Panthers as well. But again, it's all going to hinge on do they have their quarterback? Is Sam going to be the guy? I mean, I, I hope it's him. I, I think he's got the talent to do it. You just hope that mentally he's, you know, he's still where he is. He's only 23 years old. I mean, he's younger than a lot of guys that have just been drafted, right? Because, you know, he came into the league so young. So that will been kind of a a learning experience of the way that bad franchises run you can learn from the mistakes that he made on the field much better coaching so i think yeah the arrow is definitely up for them arizona you hope so i do you think this is a make or break year for kingsbury they they have to make the playoffs this year don't they absolutely for this experiment to work kyler murray and kingsbury you have to be in because Coach is going to lose his job if he doesn't get into the playoffs with this Cardinals team. They were exciting last year. They were on the cusp, but they didn't get it done. And they're certainly in a very tough division in the NFC West. I do believe they will win it, but they've got the Rams, the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the juggernauts that those teams have at quarterback. I mean, Stafford, Russell Wilson, it's going to be definitely tough for them. This is it. I mean, the Cliff Kingsbury experiment is going to come to an end if he has another losing season and doesn't get into the playoffs. I mean, other than Arizona, you would say, looking at these teams, there's really no NFC teams that you would say, okay, this team's ready to, to pop. Carolina, again, big if, because you know we, we're hoping and we're predicting that the quarterback is better, right? But... Two teams, you know, mistake by the lake on Lake Erie. Have to, you know, have to cheer for my my home space, my home area. I live in between both cities on the lake. To just hear that those teams being talked about in Super Bowl conversation is just very strange, you know, in these parts. But again, now it's you know the hype is there, the fervor is there, the fan bases are are reignited, and I think it's great for the league because you know two smaller markets, the rust 
belt. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, it's just an area that you don't think of right away when it comes to, you know, pro football. But here we are. I mean, it's always been, you know, the Steelers, the Steelers, the Steelers that are also nearby. But, you know, those two teams being in the conversation is uh, even though I don't like either team, so to speak, it's just great to hear. And I think it's great for the league. The Bills and the Browns are on the cusp, Lou. I mean, they're ready to challenge the Chiefs. In the AFC East. Oh, absolutely. In the AFC yeah, you saw them, the, the games they played. Those were tough games, both of them, against the Browns and, and the Bills. Let me ask you this. We've seen free agency. The, the draft happened. Many of the teams on your list here who haven't won the Super Bowl, they're going through rebuilding. They've got a new coaching staff. They've got a new GM. A lot of them have like new quarterbacks or young quarterbacks. Out of the five teams that are very far away from the Super Bowl right now, but who do you give the best chance in the next two or three years? And the teams that I'm talking about are the Cincinnati Bengals, the Atlanta Falcons, the Detroit Lions, the Houston Texans, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's stick to those five teams. Who do you think has the best shot in the next couple of years? Well, again, I guess the first thing that you always look at, okay, Yes, it's the quarterback, but okay, which teams are have some strength or looks like they're on the cusp of maybe having good lines of scrimmage? And you hate to be old, sound like old school or the old guy or whatever, but but you got to have that. I mean, yes, you have to have the quarterback, no question at all. To me, it's hard to say the Bengals, but but with Joe Burrow of those five, because. I mean, obviously, Deshaun Watson is the best quarterback of that crew, but we don't know where he's going to be or when he's going to be or if he's going to be. So we really can't say, okay, this is where it's going. Of those teams, you would think Cincinnati might be in the best position because they've got a lot of young players. But again, they're in a tough division, very tough division, actually. But again, Burrow, if he can be healthy... They bring in Jamar Chase. They've got some weapons. Building, you know, the offensive line, you know, bit by bit. The defensive line has lost some positions. But of those five, maybe I would have to say the Bengals. You surprised me there just because, I mean, the Bengals don't have a defense. They don't have an offensive line. You can have all the weapons you want on the outside. And obviously Burrow is, is a fine quarterback already coming off an injury. But I think he's going to be fine. I just think the Bengals are far away. But out of those five teams, I would say the Jaguars are hoping that they're probably going to be one of those, you know, that they can get into the playoffs in the next two or three years because they know that there's just such a short window with Urban Meyer. It is an you easier division. Know. It is an easier division, too. Right. And you drafted a quarterback, and you've got James Robinson, and you've got Travis Etienne. And, you know, Urban Meyer is not a guy that's going to handle a 5-12 and 12 season or a 4-13 and 13 season. It's weird to say that those numbers, by the way. I just think there's less patience here with this franchise just because of who is coming in. So they want to do a quick fix. I'm not saying that they're ready to challenge for the division next year, no. But I think in year two, the expectations are going to be through the roof once they had another round of free agency, another draft, you know, bringing in their character type of guys. I think Jacksonville is one of those teams that's hoping 
that they can quickly turn it around. And it seems like they've drafted some young players, especially at key positions, in order to do that. But I'm also excited for Detroit. And the reason why I say Detroit is because I'm just buying in the the front office. I'm, I'm buying in the Brad Holmes, a GM. I'm buying what Dan Campbell is trying to sell to the city of Detroit and to the entire NFL. I just love that passion. When you have that passion inside of you, it brings along the entire culture. Players seem to buy in. I understand that they still have Jared Goff and they don't have as many weapons around it. And they're still going to be like a top five, top seven team in terms of where they're going to draft. They've got the right people in charge. And now, you know, all they have to do is just draft better, you know, attract more people in free agency. They seem to be making the right steps. Yeah, I mean, obviously there is a lot that remains to be seen. And yeah, maybe Cincinnati's kind of a long shot, but I like long shots, so why, why not? I guess the Tebow thing, you know, you have, I hate to bring him up, and now i got to put 50 bucks in the jar. How is that? I don't know how that's going to play. I mean, he's... It seems like for every good move, it looks like they're making that Urban just has to be Urban again, right? The the strength coach from Iowa that you know obviously had a lot of baggage, but yeah, we'll bring him in anyway. And now Tebow, yeah, I've had some great great times with him. He's you know whatever a culture guy, whatever. But you know, there's got to be guys in that locker room thinking. What are we doing? I agree that the, that the players, that the foundation, again, is coming. Obviously, you know, a lot depends on Trevor Lawrence, right? We haven't seen him play. Again, I guess just, just the fact that I've seen a little bit more of Burrow in the NFL, I'm going to stick with that. It may be a you know crazy, stupid pick, but of the five teams, I'm going to go with the, with the stripes. You know, Tebow is not going to make the roster. Probably not, but I just, I it just matter. I guess it matters just from a building perspective. Okay, they keep talking about culture, 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 and now we're going to bring in a guy that twenty years ago was a, a great college football player. However, many years ago it was fifteen years ago was a great college football player. Never really. I don't know that he ever really was a quarterback. He's just a, a pretty good athlete playing quarterback, and was and Urban was able to make him into a uh, a good college player. I, a couple of weeks ago or a week ago, whatever, say, well, what do you have to lose? The more I think about it, again, I guess it's just the mindset of the other guys in that locker room thinking, okay, let's see where this goes. How much of an opportunity is he really going to get? And if he does make the team, there's guys in that locker room that know that there's no way he made the team because of what he's doing on the field, then I think there's going to be some issues. Phil Mickelson, Lou. Yes. I mean, I'm sure oh you my got goodness. excited. This is our NFT non-football topic to end the show this past weekend. Okay, again, I don't watch a whole lot of, a whole lot of golf. And I don't know how many of you guys out there do either. But this was just a very special sporting event not just because it was you know on the beaches of kiwa island in south carolina because it was just the course itself is just you watching it is just so picturesque and you just wonder when you're standing on any of those tees for any of us that really don't play (laughs) it's got to be every shot looks scary as hell you're going to hit it in the water hit it in the sand whatever phil at 50 years old becomes the oldest major winner 
when we look at like sporting event, a lot of times football games, basketball games, they start to, they talk about lead changes and ties, and wow, this game is nip and tuck or whatever. And you don't really see a whole lot of that in golf. But I swear, I think in the first 10 holes, there was five times that there was at least a two-shot swing on a specific hole. It was exciting. As far as golf gets, I mean, it was kind of exciting. And just the fact that, again, at 50 years old, Phil was able to, to hold it together, uh, face some adversity. But, you know, for a guy that, again, has had some ebbs and flows to his career as a younger guy, kind of immature, he's reshaped his body, really focusing on the mental aspect of things. And it made me think of one of our other favorite players that's in his 40s, just won a Super Bowl, Tom Brady. A lot of similarities there as far as just the age and just the way uh, they're going about uh, being able to perform at a high level with the bodies they have, which is just incredible. Granted, uh, Kepka's playing on two knees that you know you, you probably shouldn't have been playing on, but uh, and all credit to him for hanging tough and, and staying close. But that was just a great theater. Did you watch Alex? I mean, is that do you ever pay attention to, to, to golf? I don't, but obviously heard about the news that he won. And the last time he won a major championship was the U.S. Open in 2013. So it's been eight years. I just thought Phil Nicholson was done. I thought we were never going to hear from him again. So in my opinion, this was like a Tiger Woods winning after a while, right? After that that huge break of him not being able to, to vibe for the championship. It's always great to see. It's always great to see some star that you've been accustomed to, somebody who's been a really good player in that sport for a long, long time and hasn't won. And all of a sudden, I mean, Phil was able to to break through. I'm looking for LeBron. I'm looking for LeBron to win another championship with the Los Angeles Lakers at 36. And I think that would be a feat, especially with him coming back from an injury. So certainly, yeah, the older guys, I mean, the guys that, you know, LeBron, I think, you know, famously probably spends like a million or $2 million just on uh, his body, strength, conditioning, trainers. I mean, whatever it takes, nutrition. And and Brady, obviously, again, you know, TB12, the book, the whole thing. Also, the, the uh, relationship between Phil and Tom goes a little bit farther. Uh, they did play in a match uh, against Tiger and Peyton last year. Well, here we go again. The match this year will be Phil and Tom once again. But this year, to add to the intrigue and to kind of wrap this all up with Aaron Rodgers and, and kind of the big brother, little brother thing is A-Rod with Bryson DeChambeau will play in the match against Phil and Tom on July 6th. Some course in Montana. DeChambeau, for those of you that uh, aren't golf fans, is a guy that just hits the ball a ton. He has built himself up. He is a go-for-broke on every hole type of guy. Uh, So from a major standpoint, that might curtail some of his opportunities. But in a match like this, this is going to be tremendous. And not so much even for the golf, but just the trash talking, which I think has already started... Uh, Brady hitting on uh, Aaron uh, via social media on Twitter. So you guys can go to Twitter and check that out. But uh, we know Tom's always about yeah those those kind of subtle jabs on Twitter. And he is 
social media game is unquestioned and it just he's just always on point very funny and i think aaron might clap back at some point but uh but yeah that ought to be interesting and it'll be a lot of fun to watch so you're telling me phil mickelson and and tom brady are gonna you know uh, rub on aaron Rodgers for good luck and and therefore whichever team is in need of a quarterback i mean they should just pull the trigger all right denver it's time to get on the phone there you it's time go. to get on the phone and and give up the entire farm for Aaron Rodgers because I think Lou is saying there's a there's a pretty good chance that Aaron Rodgers might win a championship next season on live TV. Why that would that would be awesome. That would, that would be completely awesome. Well, we talked about the July second date. July eighth is going to be the bigger because that's mandatory uh, OTAs in Green Bay. So let's see if Aaron shows up for that. But meanwhile, he's just uh, chilling in Hawaii, playing the guitar, dancing with his girl and uh, his celebrity friends. So uh, that's going to do it for us this week, gang. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, it is the off season, so we'll be a little bit looser with things and maybe touch on some uh, non-football topics, if you would. It all kind of winds its way back into the football thing with Phil and Tom. And for Alex, I'm Lou. Peace!